0: Welcome back again this week. We promised to talk about terrorism. Now, next to war, terrorism is the best means to get people to agree to changes in their government and to give up liberty for security. Unknown to most is the fact that the first political terrorist was actually an American, John Brown. He was also a communist, according to his son. While Garrison and his coterie helped divide the country, John Brown cauterized that division into a permanent separation. John Brown was a failure in business but found a new paid profession in acts of violence and terror backed up by Illuminists in New England. The entire story in detail is in our book To the Victor Go the Myths and Monuments. By the way, we might mention also that when we talk about Illuminists now We're talking about people who had the same goals as the Illuminati, but we cannot prove that they were actually members of the Illuminati or that it still existed, although second-generation organizations such as the Carbonary did exist. As we pointed out in an earlier segment, the founder of Skull and Bones, William Huntington Russell, helped finance Brown and was named by Brown as one of his trustees of his will. There were many others who were involved in Brown's terrorist activities. Some were men of uh, of finance, others are still admired today, such as Frederick Douglass, who actually worked with communists his entire career. To give you a better idea of John Brown's connections following the raid on Harper's Ferry, which did fail, several of the prominent men that were involved actually fled the country in fear of prosecution for conspiracy and treason. Keep in mind that a person can profess one thing, but their actions tell a different story. The raid on Harper's Ferry is a perfect example of certain prominent people not being punished for their actions. To do otherwise would have created a political upset that the powers that be could not allow to happen. The same exists today, doesn't it? For instance, the fiasco of the Hillary Clinton and Mueller investigations. People who were guilty then, just as people who are guilty today, are protected by the deep state. In other words, there was a two-tier system of justice even back then. Those at the bottom were sacrificed, while those at the top got off scot-free. The people who actually helped arm, finance, and spread propaganda supporting John Brown included people like Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry Thoreau, the Communist Senator Charles Sumner, Alan Pinkerton, the detective, Ebenezer Hoare, who became Attorney General under Grant, and many other prominent men unknown today and who I detail in my book. These men understood what Brown was doing. They were not innocent. Let me illustrate the connections of people in support of Brown. Following the failed European revolutions of 1848 and 49, an Englishman, Hugh Forbes was sent to the United States by Mazzini, the head of the Carbonari, to pull together those who had immigrated to the United States into the Carbonari organization. In the process of making his rounds, a group of Americans asked Forbes to train Brown's army since Ford had been an officer under Garibaldi in the Carbonari army. After working with Brown for a short time, Forbes realized there was no real army existing under Brown and returned to his original assignment. Individuals weren't the only ones in support of Brown. The American socialist newspapers began a buildup of Brown's reputation as a freedom fighter, just as they did later in the 20th century with Castro, Ho Chi Minh, Mao, and Che Guevara. The newspapers not only built Brown's reputation, they sent out reporters who rode with Brown and participated in his terrorist acts. The man who later became the most famous and influential was Richard V. Hinton, who is generally unknown today. He represented the Chicago Tribune and the Boston Traveler. Hinton would go on to help organize the Washington section of the Communist First Internationale and later edit the Socialist Party magazine. Hinton's resume consisted of U.S. Commissioner of Immigration in Europe, Inspector of U.S. Consulates in Europe, And finally, the special agent in charge of the Department of Agriculture from 1890 to 1892. Many think we only had communists in the federal government starting in the 1930s, but it goes further back than that. Hinton was just one of the reporters that worked with Brown. One reporter who actually became an integral part of Brown's organization was John G. Kaji. He represented the New York Tribune as well as the New York Evening Post, Washington National Era, Topeka Tribune, Lawrence, Kansas Republican, the Chicago Tribune, and the Cleveland Leader. Kaji reported back to these newspapers while he was involved in the killing of innocent people in mayhem. He would die in the fight at Harper's Ferry. Many books concentrate on what was called the Secret Six who helped Brown. These were the six men of substance and station, but by no means were alone in their dealings with Brown. Our book documents a wide range of people and organizations that helped Brown, all knowing what he was up to. Without mentioning names, I spoke to one of the authors who wrote a great book about the men who helped Brown, but said that it was ridiculous to believe that there was a conspiracy involved. He missed the elephant in the room, most do. All the while Brown was being belled up into a folk hero in the north, in the south, The citizens were becoming terrorized by Brown and having feelings of apprehension over Northern support for Brown and his terrorism. Southern members of the conspiracy were at work in intensifying this fear among the the Southern people to widen the gap between the Northern and Southern Americans. With the action at Harbors Ferry, with Brown supposedly trying to instigate a slave revolt as a result, the citizens of the South were reacted against the North, enough to move them towards supporting secession, which they had so far rejected. There never was any idea that a slave revolt would happen. First of all, there were never any effort among, to work among the slaves to instigate a revolt. It didn't happen. Second, the whole plan behind Brown was to use his activities as a catalyst for reaction amongst the people, both in the North and the South. Brown wasn't smart enough to actually lead much of anything and was simply a pawn in the game used by forces he really did not understand. The action is in the reaction. You cannot get people to act, but you can get them to react. This was the purpose of Brown, the first political terrorist. Even though Brown failed to achieve what he thought would happen at Harper's Ferry, he became a martyr for the cause. Socialists began to sing his praises, praises, even inventing a song about Brown, which when hostilities began between the North and the South, evolved into the song, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Now this is a quick recap of Brown and his tale, but you can find the whole story, the full story in great detail in my book. Next week, we look at the Southern agitation for war by the same forces.